What up, though? Welcome to a new episode of Don't Blame Me, Blame Detroit with your favorite comedian, Brandon Jordan. And before we get into it, uh, thank you for everybody that came out to the show at the Comedy Chateau uh, last weekend. Man, we had a blast. Um, thank you again for Donald George, uh, Darius Bennett, uh, Keisha E., B.T. Kingsley, Jill Chrissy, and Ron Taylor for coming out, man, performing. And, um, and like I said, man, we had a great time. You can see some of the pictures on the Instagram um, of uh, the audience and all the performers, man. Like I said, we had a blast. And we're going to be doing the show again September 17th. September 17th at 9.30 in North Hollywood at the Comedy Chateau. We're going to be doing it again. And one of the people that I'm going to have on the show is my uh, special guest today. This is... Um, one of the funniest people in the country right now, man. She is killing stages, having a good year. Uh, you can catch her on uh, on your on your TV with Flo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, on the commercials. Um, she also is, uh, I can't remember the, the name of it, though, but she's on Barry Brewer's. Uh, uh, Next Generation of Comedy. There we go. And uh, this is, and like I said, man, this is one of, she's killing stages, one of them. Uh, uh, most beautiful people in the world, man. She, uh, one of the heartbreakers in, uh, comedy. She, she loved breaking, uh, dudes' hearts out here in these streets. Oh my God. That's crazy. <laughs> but, uh, this is oh, one man. of my good, good friends, Fatima, man. How you doing today? I'm good, man. You know, just, I'm blessed. I can't be mad at all. It's good right now. You, uh, you out here, you still, uh, you out here negative right now? You know what? I did not get COVID. I did not get COVID the whole time. And that, and that time you called me, I didn't have it either. Okay. I mean, I, I did get vaccinated, but I don't know if that's safe for me because I feel like more vaccinated people got the virus than. What made you What made you get vaccinated? I feel like it was a, you was going to fail either way. <laughs> you was going to go outside and get it, and then you really didn't know the circumstances, like if it was going to be like a light one or if it was going to be a heavy, like, because you would hear different stories. Mm-hmm. Would be like I got it, you know. I had it for like two weeks, and I went back and tested, and I was naked. And then like you talked to somebody else, and they was like, "Look, I was like, I couldn't breathe. I was outside naked. I woke up, and I didn't know where I was. And you know, I tried to read a paper, and I couldn't read no more. Like, people, <laughs> people were going to the high extreme to where I was like, you either gonna go out there and see what's gonna happen to you, or you gonna choose your own fate. And yeah, I, I still, I'm, I'm still, for me personally, um, I'm not. On either, I'm not on either side. I'm not on. Well, I got to get vaccinated. I'm not on the. I'm not going to get vaccinated. I'm on the middle of. I just want more information. Yeah, I mean, there. I did do research on the the one that I chose to give, which was Pfizer. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as everybody's like concerns, I know most people are concerned about like fertility, and there isn't anything out yet about fertility. So some people are upset about it. But I have a very close friend, and him and his. Uh, Baby's mother got vaccinated while she was pregnant. They just had a baby and everything's fine. So. Yeah, because uh, a couple of people that I know, they end up when it first started coming out, they got the Johnson and Johnson, and so then when the stuff, then when the stuff came out, I said, "Nigga, your dick gonna fall off." Watch. You know, Johnson and Johnson was already like it was just an issue for women. A lot of guys that I know, they got it were fine. Mm-hmm. They were fine. 
So, I don't know. You know, black people don't be wanting to talk about vaccination. Yeah. No, it's crazy, though, because anytime you talk about a vaccination to a black person, they were like, nigga, what you get that shit for? Like, any Or either we, if we do have it, we pretend we don't in a group just so we don't have to talk about it. Because, uh-huh. <laughs> because most black people are like, because I was just with another comic, he was like, you got vaccinated? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you been all right? And I'm like, I'm good. And he's like, you've been looking good, so I feel like you've been all right. And I'm like, I've been okay. I was like, it's serious to our community. Um, I don't know, I've been fine. I, I did it because I've gotten flu shots before. And like in the past, I would get really sick. I used to work at a hotel. Mm. So like, like flu season, I would get really sick. And I just felt like this was just dramatic for me. I was like, I don't, I'd rather get a shot that can hopefully protect me. Plus, I have a lot of friends that work in medical. Yeah. Including my mother, so they were frontliners and they got it very early on. They were fine, so. So, uh, I, I, I know you probably have told me in the past, but I don't, but I, at this moment, I just don't remember. But where are you from? Chicago. I grew up in the suburbs, though. I, I grew up in the south suburbs. Like, if people know Harvey, Illinois, or they know uh, Homewood, Flossmore, that's like my stomping grounds for growing up. Okay. Like, I think Little Rail tells a story about going to Harvey. Like, that's one of the hardest, like, suburban areas in Chicago. So, did you have your, like, growing up in the suburb area, did you have your moments, like, I gotta go to the city moments? My, we didn't really have a lot of family out in the inner city. We didn't. We, most of my family was all in, like, in the suburban area. But, if anybody knew what it was like living in the suburbs, all the kids that lived in the city went to school in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. It was coming to terrorize my neighborhood. So anything that was going on out there, I knew about it anyway because they went to school with me. So Chicago was one of those kind of cities where you could live in the birds, but it's still kind of good. I don't know. Yeah, I love Chicago. It's one. Uh, oh, the city is beautiful. Yeah, the being, cleaner. Yeah, being from Detroit, like Chicago was, a, like I remember growing up, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, you know, stuff growing up. And I remember my moms took us on a, uh, me and my, my younger brother on a vacation to Chicago. And it was like one of the best moments of my childhood. Everybody used to do road trips from Detroit to Chicago. That's yeah. like. <laughs> it was like, that was one of the best things. Like, I, it was it was like in the late 90s when we went. And uh, we got to go to Michael Jordan's restaurant. Ooh, I remember that. That lasted for two seconds. And that, yeah. And, but that was like, like the shit does, because my last name is Jordan. So yeah. Yeah. we was in there hoping Michael Jordan was in there. We were trying to lie, like we his cousins. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! The nineties in Chicago, I remember being amazing. Like that was the year when the Bulls were really killing it, and mm-hmm. like Jordan was everywhere. Like if you were from Chicago in the nineties, people thought you was the shit. So it was dope. Yeah, I remember those times. I actually met Michael Jordan so many times. Oh. Living, I actually had a, a mini birthday party with him. Oh, you didn't grow up in the suburbs, you grew up in the rich part. It's a, it's a really weird long story, but our birthdays are on the same day. Mm-hmm. And my cousin uh, was a friend of a friend of someone, and he was having a birthday party, and it was my birthday too. So when I got there, he was like, let's share this birthday party. I have pictures of it and everything for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> next thing you know, next thing you're going to talk about, yeah. And, I, uh, and we was next door neighbors to Barack Obama too. I never, you know, I never met them or knew anything about them. They were more in the area of Southside and yeah. more High Park. Okay. So I didn't learn about them until like he was about to become president. Okay. Yeah, actually, um, I had just 
I was back, I was in Chicago back in May, and I did a uh, you know I did a couple shows there, and it was my first time because anytime as an adult that I've been in Chicago, it was just on the South Side, and we and I was doing jokes and notes. Oh, that was such a great club. I missed that club, and so that was I, like so as my as an adult, that's all I knew of Chicago. You know, I never really explored the city, and so. I went out in May when I was there for I was there for about four or five days and um and I drove was just driving around the city and everything and I'm like man I said from April to November this is a great place to live I mean it's beautiful clean the architectural there is, is insane all the buildings are like really cool you got the beam but then it gets really really cold and violent cold right? yeah that's, and, yeah you know, that's, that's, jacket or something i, I want to no. i want to just start because rain is my favorite weather right i remember yeah. in chicago we said the fashion was rain boots if you had funky rain boots you mm-hmm. was killing you don't even need those here it's a lot of yeah. stuff i would like to wear you don't really get the whole fat fall fashion in beachy all the damn time oh and let me, let me ask you because uh yesterday i had watched it uh i had watched a little bit of, of this documentary um, before a little bit of it, but yesterday I watched the full thing, and instantly it like changed something in me just watching it. Have you ever watched What the Hell? I've never seen What the Hell. Do you even know about it? I've heard about it. I never watched. I like documentaries. 
I am a documentary girl, but I like scientific, smart documentaries. Health stuff always make me like they're gonna ruin it for me. Listen, like I don't want to know something shady about some shit that I might enjoy. Like don't don't mess up my life. <laughs> Listen, I watched this documentary yesterday. The whole thing, and as soon as it was done, I hopped on and said, "Now I gotta go to Whole Foods." Although here's the thing. Now although Whole Foods is a scam as well. Like, your best bet is this, and I tell this to people all the time, whether you're going to be a vegetarian or not, your best bet is to always cook at home. Mm-hmm. And always try to, like, find your stuff on your own. Because it, it's Bristol Farms. That's where you turn up. Whole Foods actually has a, have a couple scams. They think, they tell people that it's farm raised. Well, yeah, I tell you, it was... Vegan and it's not. Well, what, the biggest thing for me that I took from is because I'm a diabetic. Okay, so your I'm, diet is very important. I'm a diabetic. And so uh, one of the things that I learned from it was that I didn't know, you know, they always teach you, you know, saying as, you know, saying as a diabetic and just people in general that sugar is the, is the cause of diabetes. You know, that's right. the cause, which is part of it, but not the, the total truth. One of the, the biggest truths, and I actually was learning this a little bit before I even watched the documentary, was, is that it's actually, um, diabetes is actually a respiratory disease, which people don't know, that goes into the blood system, okay. which starts affecting the feet and your eyes and your legs and your limbs and stuff, That because it's, it's cutting off the circulation and it's not being able to insulin, it's not being able to circulate through your system. Which causes diabetes. Okay. And so, um, just learning about how meat plays the number one factor in it, because because the meat, the uh, the things that that's, that is put in the meat, and the things that we in it, and how much meat you can consume can cause you to block certain things in your. Um, I forgot what it's called. It's called the, the the glucose or something like that in your system, which blocks. You know, saying the insulin from building to get through your system. So, I mean, I ain't trying to go super ethical, but I'm just saying, watching it just made me like, okay, I, I gotta, I gotta make some changes because I don't want to be on all these different type of medications in the next 10, 10, 15 years. You know, I feel like living in LA, my eating habits have gotten much better. Mm-hmm. I can tell that by how my family eat, and everybody in my family have migrated from Chicago to Atlanta. Okay. So when I go to Atlanta, literally instantaneously eating out with them, I'm gonna die. Like eating here, <laughs> eating here is very light and like on my own, just for my own health and just to because I also do television, so you try to stay fit. So I cook, you know, for the lean body. Going there, you're like I could die immediately. So I feel like we'll be fine living in LA. Yeah. Like they pretty much McDonald's has healthy shit here that they don't have in Atlanta. Like, it's great, because by you saying that, it's like, when I go to my friend's house here in L.A., uh, do you want some water? You want some uh, uh, seaweed? You want some soy? You want some uh, vegan chips? You know, yeah. uh, this? You want some hummus? You want... And then I just I'm looking like, nigga, water. where's the fruit snacks? Where's the honey buns? Where the... Who yeah, ain't none of that. You no. know what I'm saying? But when I go, but when I go to Detroit, when I go to Dallas... Hey, uh, which one for dinner tonight? We frying some chicken. We frying this. We the deep fryer is gone. Man, I had it was funny. I was in uh, Atlanta for uh, New Year's Eve, <laughs> and we were at this party, and I heard everybody in the corner like screaming, like "Fuck it up!" 
fuck it up. And I was like, what is they doing? Maybe they was dancing or whatever. And they kept screaming that shit out, right? And mm-hmm. so I asked my cousin, I was like, Ashley, what is going on? They was all like, fuck it up. Fuck it up. She was like, bitch, this red velvet cake is fire. <laughs> and I was like, I thought these, I thought they were dancing. Like, this is how black people celebrate food. It's a big deal to us to put hella sugar in our stuff. <laughs> it's a big deal to have fried chicken. When I was in Atlanta, I couldn't hang. It's not for the liquor. Most people would be like, I couldn't hang because they was drinking. I can't hang with they food. Mm-hmm. Like, the first night I'm tapped out because we eating, like, pizza places and, like, yeah. wings and, like, everything is cooked different out there, like. Low-key, they eggs out there real. I think the eggs in, in L.A. is fake now. They, they water them down or something like that. <laughs> eggs in Atlanta, I was joking and shit. Like, this ain't even the eggs my body is used to. But black people do need to start paying more attention to how we, we eat. Because for starters, we pull a whole thing of seasoning on some shit and be like, this is healthy eat. No, surely. <laughs> UK, I, I literally, I sit back and think about all the stuff that I got, I put sugar on just to make it edible for me. Really? You really into sugar like that? I, like, I, it's a lot of stuff because of the way that... I'm like, like what? Like, you like, put sugar on... You know, like, um, some cereals. You know what I'm saying? I put sugar okay, on. Cereal, that makes um, sense. My grits. Um, okay, my oatmeal. that's still cereal. That's you still know? cereal? Yeah, that's still cereal. You know what I'm saying? saying? like, was like, like I, I might be putting a sugar on my steak. Uh, like, like growing up, uh, one of my uncles, he lo- uh, one of his famous things is, um, he loved like sugar, like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he loved putting brown sugar in his hamburgers. I've heard of that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I love sugar in my spaghetti. You know what I mean? I've heard of that, but that's disgusting. Oh, it's far from disgusting. It's so, weird, it's so weird to me not to have it. Really? Yes. I don't know if I want sweet tasting spaghetti or anything slightly. But the thing about also too is that it's different levels to it because my uncle that's a uh, that has his own catering business back home in Detroit. He uses brown sugar in his spaghetti, but is not to the to the um, level of where you're really gonna taste it. It okay. just gives a it just gives a hint of of a of a, um, a flavor for the sauce. Do you cook? I cook, but I need to cook. You know what I'm saying? I ain't no chef out here in these streets. You know what I mean? I feel like I became like a super chef over pandemic. Yeah. Like what? Up. And TikTok, like, I've gotten into gnocchi and pesto. Like, I mean, like, serious mm-hmm. Like, where I, like, go hard. Like, where I go to the store and buy, like, mint leaves and, like, all kind of, like, parsley. Like, I kind of go hard. Oh, you actually... Think, like... Oh, you actually started doing some real grocery shopping. I started doing some real grocery shopping and some real cooking. Then I got an air fryer, and that changed the game. Air fryer changed my life. Air fryer? <laughs> you hopped up like, boy, and I was like, yes, it's lit, right? Air fryer changed my life. Change like, your life. Listen, I got my air fryer, and I'm ready to upgrade to a bigger one now. Like, it's I got the little, big oven, you know? Yeah, I got the little starter one, and it's cool. Yo, I've been trying to figure out what is what is going on in there, and I'm like, this is a little easy big oven. It's hitting on these snacks. Everything in there. Everything you, I think it's because it's small. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's cap, maybe the air and it captures the flavors differently. Because I'm like, what is it doing any different than an oven? I, I, I can tell you exactly. like, like, we need to get down to the bottom of this. I, I, I don't know, but I know this. Whoever invented this 
deserves all the pussy he can get. That, and it's like, okay, is it a microwave? But a different kind? It's, uh, uh, well. See? I've been going down a rabbit hole like, what is I would say it's more of an (laughs) oven because it's taking heat pressure versus the, the nuking of the microwave. So somebody was like, let's combine a microwave and an oven. But they call it a microwave Because yeah. it's basically more of a high-power toaster oven. We're going to be real old when they find out that it's just a microwave. We're going to have grandkids being like, that's not even... And we're like, that was it. When that shit came out, oh, it, it, it changed the world. It changed the world. Like, I don't even use... I, I don't even have a deep fryer anymore. I don't even use my oven anymore. I, I use my oven, I think the last time I used my oven was just to bake some cookies. You can put cookies in the air fryer, I, bro. I know you can, but mine's is so small that I wanted oh, to put, yeah. you know, I couldn't I put as many as I want. So I used I the oven. One. But I feel like when I first got it, I was turning it all the way up, and I was like, now I gotta work out again. So I'm like, I'm just putting healthy shit in there. I, I was eating shady when I first... Got it. it was like wings, fries. I was making little donuts in that bitch. I was mm-hmm. making, yeah. I turned into a little couch potato. Uh, but it's it's the shit. That's turned me into a homebody too. Mm-hmm. So no need to go outside. You like? I got an air fryer. I got a TV. What well, else? That, but also too, you since I know you, you really kind of been a homebody. Yeah, I have. Was it fear missing out? FOMO last night? Mm-hmm. I had FOMO because I was like going to go support a friend at the improv. But then I was like, I don't want this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, but you need to leave the house and go be a, a, a comedy shit. And I was like, no, you don't. But I said, I tell you this. I over, over the last year, over the last year, and I, I might be taking it even with social media, I feel like. I just seen you out and more active more over the last year. I've been doing stuff. Thank in the you. first couple of years of when I met when I first met you. Yeah, I wasn't talking at all then. <laughs> Not a bad. Yeah. Um, I've been trying to do better. I've been trying to do better and um manage it. But sometimes you gotta pull back. Too much you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like if I dive in too deep with comedy, you'd be like, Oh my god, there's so many issues. The comedians be having troubles. Mm-hmm. You know, longer, you like, everybody hate everybody up here. And you like, they real sad. Sometimes you gotta pull out and be like, let me go back. It's my own energy. Let me get back to y'all. Plus, I feel like in LA, there's a lot of places to hang out, but will you actually get stage time? My thing is always about getting better and, and like winning. I, I could care less about hanging out. See, and that's. Um... And other and uh, other night when I was talking uh, when we were sitting there talking, uh, BT actually made a he made a good point. He was like, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on right now, especially health wise. Um, and you know, he's already a homebody. Period. You know, what I'm saying he's like that too. But he's a, he said he's been more cautious because of the health causes. Like, I'm not really trying to come out unless it's benefiting me, you know what I'm saying, you know, just coming out, just to come out, is not productive right now, not, not right now, yeah, 
it's not productive, you know. So I'm just listening to him talk. It made me just, you know, saying like, yeah, because just going to Chocolate Sundays just to sit there and watch everybody else get on stage is cool. You know what I'm saying? Not like how we was doing it. Like we was like drop by there every other every. Week. You know what I'm saying? You don't I have don't to go there so. every week because he like you know he because B two was like if it's nobody performing that I really fuck with, I, I really don't want to go. You know what I'm saying? And that's and that's kind of like how I was like if I know that it's not going to be people there that I really you know what I'm saying mess with. You know what I'm saying? I'm kind of like I'm not missing out. And right. I'm not getting on stage. It's like, yeah, I'm not missing out. Right. That's how I feel. I feel like in LA, it's much harder to get better than it is in any other city because it's harder to find workout rooms that you, you like or that are safe. And then getting on stage out here is very competitive. Like, there is always a fight. And that's why sometimes you can't even get mad at how some of the clubs make you graduate. And, you know, yeah. get on this list. Because it's like, so, I feel like there's so many comedians here that don't necessarily even really want to be comedians, really. That are in the way of some of the stuff that those of us that really want this yeah. do. Like, and it's hard. Like, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish. I was gonna say, like, I feel like when I visit other places, when I book shows, and I go to like DC or I go to Chicago, those comedians are so polished. Even Atlanta, they're so polished, and there's so many rooms. Like, mm-hmm. you can work out like, literally all day, all night. And it's because people are so serious about it instead of just trying to be seen and seem popular. That's yeah. part of the reason why I have a hard time being out a lot in LA. Because I feel like it, that energy is too much for me. There's a lot of egos, not just in comedy world, like in LA. You'll be out, everybody's trying to one-up each other or say they was on this show or they're mm-hmm. trying to get on this show. And that's exhausting to me when it's more about, it's bigger to me. Like, I want to be great on stage. And I'm like, well, who the hell has time? To be out every weekend, if y'all trying to create shows, like, I'm going, I'd be right, right, literally trying to pitch, you know, and then I have self-tapes. I'm like, how do these people have this much energy and time to be out and booking? You know, it's crazy, but, I mean, I'll do it because it is necessary to be seen. Right. Because most people don't know who you are, which I went through for the first couple years here. Nobody even knew I was a comedian because I never went anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, yeah, I feel like BT's right. Like, now with the health scare... You really have to pick and choose what's really important to you. Like, are you getting paid for this show? Are you working out on something? Or is this a person you want to support? Because if not, shit. Even if you vaccinated, you can get the disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, to get on a point that you made, because um, the last night that I seen you at Chocolate uh, um, Sundays, I was talking to another comedian who was, he was upset. He He's upset because he feels like he not getting an opportunity to get on top of Sunday stage. Let, let me just say this. I, a Sunday before that, I did my graduation spot. And um, it went well. As far as I'm concerned, people were coming up to me like, oh, Grace said, you know, whatever. Um, but then I got a letter back from Chocolate Sunday saying they want me to redo my graduation spot. In other words, they're like, you didn't graduate. Mm-hmm. So you got to graduate again. And I don't need to do that until 2023. Yeah. So, but so I mean, I just was telling people like it's it's nothing personal to like want other people when they're not getting it. It's just like this is what they do. Like you can't even feel bad if they tell you to graduate again. This is just how they roll. Because to be honest, that day that I went to my graduation show, I just did a show earlier that day with Pete Holmes, Nick Crow, uh, Eric 
riffing, and I did like 15 minutes, and like, it was great. And mm-hmm. I go to Chocolate Sundays and do five, and they're like, we think you need to regraduate. So it's like, it's a, to me, it's like a humbling, <laughs> this is how they roll. So for people to get mad about that shit, I don't understand, but they do everybody like that. Yeah, like, um, so the conversation I was basically having with the person, he was upset about that, and just, he was just upset, just, you know, venting. He's just and and I'm just like you know well, and then it's also another situation with another uh, com with another comedy show. I don't know you know Laugh After Dark. Uh, it's in Vegas. Yeah, they're in Vegas now. Okay, yeah. But I tell you about that situation too. But basically, I just explained to him. I said, "Well, you can't get up. Number one, you can't get upset. Reason why you can't get upset is because at the end of the day, it's their platform." Whatever they want to do with their platform is what they want to do with their platform. You can't get mad at for someone not trying to put you on their stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Theirs. So what? So you got to go by that rule. I said I can be upset because I've been waiting. Again. I've been waiting for for my just uh, what's it called the impressions. first impression spot since I moved here in twenty. I moved here in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. and my graduation spot was supposed to, was supposed to be in April of this year. Oh, did you redo it? Huh? Did you redo it? No, they were shut down. You have to ask them to do like I asked because no. they were shut down. No, so I asked. So when I so when I talked to uh, Lonnie, Lonnie said, "Oh yeah, you're gonna yeah, we, we're gonna get you up definitely." And she said, "Yeah, it's gonna be a party about another year and a half." Shit. I was like, you know, when I heard, it, I said, "I already waited damn near three years." Yeah. I gotta wait uh, almost damn near two more years. You know what I'm saying? And that, I would say, uh, I've been working on my ego and really working. That's like the biggest thing, I think, for us. Like, you don't want to get rid of your ego in a way. You need it to some point in this business, but you mm-hmm. have to learn how to suppress it. And I definitely know that it was an ego blow for me with that because it was like, so my career is developing. And what I have set out for myself are my goals. Do I really want to worry about a five minute spot in 2020? Right. But that's a choice that you make on your own. Like, you have to just, it's like you said, it's their platform. You got to continue creating yours. And that's the, I think that's the hard part for most of us in comedy. Like, because some of us, like, even for myself, I don't feel like I'm in the cool crowd. I feel like I am kind of an outsider. And I have to either work extremely hard on networking and getting people to give me stage time. Or I have to create a lot of things for myself. If not, I don't really feel like I'm that chick that if I went to the Laugh Factory and I just knew a comic that had a show, he would put me on it. I don't know anybody because I don't go outside. Mm-hmm. So I don't have that option with a lot of the clubs. Like, the only club that I, like, move up in is the improv, and that's because I'm past there. So I host at some of the other locations, not just Hollywood. Like, I'll be in Irvine or Ontario hosting shit. But the Laugh Factory has always made it, like, challenging for me. Even when there's other comics there. They kind of like, mm, I don't know if I want to get you stage tonight because you're not in my clique. And same thing with the counting store. Like, I either get on through Michelle because her and I have a relationship. Or if I do have a relationship with some other comic who will give me some time, that's the case. But am I getting lucky where I can be booked and actually be on the roster at the comedy store? Absolutely not. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing that I, that I find slightly exhausting about the comedy game in LA um, it's very clickish and a lot of people that may or may not deserve spots will rise up before you because of who they know um, whereas then there's another side of it where 
where you're like, well, do you want to focus on getting to know everybody and try to rise up in the comedy game where they're going to pay you $25 to $35 a spot? <laughs> or do you want to focus on where them TV credits come from and make that real cheddar and that's going to give you a bigger name and now you can buy off the book be a headliner? Right. So it's kind of balanced the way that I do it anyway. Because I feel like that, that shit right there, now you got to wait another, that's to me, I don't know what your goals are in comedy, but when you have goals set for yourself, that's some shit that slows you down. That's after a while, you're like, alright, it ain't, it ain't for me at the such and such. I gotta keep doing whatever, because by 2023 or 24, I wanna be in X, Y, Z position. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't be like, trying to, you know. And, and, then, that's fine. and then my advice to the person was, said, if you're, I told him, just as I, similar to what you said, basically like, you gotta keep moving, but if you want, if if you're focused on doing this show, it's three ways to get on this show, and you got to understand that these are the three ways. And right. I told them one, you got to wait for your first impression date, patiently, and just be ready when it's whenever it is. Two, you got to know somebody that got a say in the ear of Lonnie and uh, and everybody that worked it. You know that that that's part of that to to get on. And three, become famous. Basically. Them the three ways. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all three of those ways, ways are nothing wrong with them. You just gotta, like, that's what I'm saying. It's finding your lane. And I think that's one of the things I feel like I've done really good at in LA. Like, you'll get outside so many, like I said, so many egos. So many, this person's doing this, and this person's doing this. And sometimes you're like, oh shit, am I not doing enough? You know? But you gotta find your lane. Fit in, in your comedy and your brand and your and go do that and not be tripping on certain stages either because a lot of like for me I don't feel like none of none of the fame that I feel like I even have and that's a small thing I think comes from any of these clubs mm-hmm. I can't really be like oh it was thanks to the such and such <laughs> like no yeah. I think a lot of my success came from who I knew in my lane. They may not be some famous person at the comedy store, but they know the right people that put on shows that lead me to where I'm at now. Like, for example, I know people kept on asking me, like, man, I see you on every flyer with, like, all these big names and stuff, and I'm like, yo, a lot of that stuff be backyard shows. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, somebody that came up with something like Supernova. But I know those people and I have, like, relationships, and they're not, you know, somebody that works at the comedy store or they're not money, you know what I'm saying? But that's on a bigger, now I get to do a set and Pete Holmes gets to watch. Yep. And now we got a relationship. It's just, it's just you just gotta find your lane in LA because I feel like they will make you feel like, oh, like your friends feel like, oh shit, if I don't get on this, if I don't get that, niggas ain't letting me get ahead. Like it feels like that sometimes right here mm-hmm. because it is, I do feel like it's part of the Yeah. It's definitely but- a popularity contest. So let, let me ask you this. As a woman in this game, in this industry game, mm-hmm. have you once or ever thought about using your pussy to, to, to advance your career? No. Simple as that. I don't really have any, like, no. Mm-mm. I mean, I think the best way to answer that is this. I 
come from a family full of entertainment, so I have been kind of raised within this. So I have seen what you can do as a woman and what you can accomplish as a woman. And I've seen it done in a way that has nothing to do with selling pussy. <laughs> so I think that's what gave me the confidence to come out here to understand the business in a, a completely different way and knowing my approach. And sometimes I think people probably think I do because I've, I've trailblazed. I will give myself that. Uh, Ten years in L.A. by myself. Uh, I've done a lot and I'm proud of that shit and I haven't sucked any dicks to get there. Sometimes I laugh <laughs> about it because I'm, I'm, being, I'm not even trying to be, but sometimes I laugh about it because I'm like, as a joke, you know, sometimes, not hating on some of my girls has done it because get how you live it. But sometimes I'm like, oh, we didn't have to suck a dick. <laughs> like, we made it, but yeah, I honestly, I want the respect more than anything. Mm-hmm. This ain't even about the money or the fame to me. I want the respect. I feel like as a female comedian and being different, there's nothing like me. And you got a lot of Dave Chappelle's, you got a lot of Eddie Murphy's, you got a lot of people quick to name those names. How fast do you get a female's name come out of your mouth that's strong and powerful on her own? It's very rare. We got Wanda Sykes, we got Monique, but it's not a lot of us. We, we, you know, there's a Leslie Jones, but it's not a lot of us enough that I feel like I'm making marks. I, I, here. Sorry, sorry, to cut you off because I, I want to make this point before we move on. Because some of what you just said, I said this. I said this a, a while ago. I always felt like the strongest women comedians never make it to the big spotlight. Okay, there, that's true. I think there's a formula to it. Let me tell you what I think the formula is. Um, I guess some more. I think she's a beast, mm-hmm. and she's gorgeous, and I think she could be on way higher levels than where she's at, but I think it's this game that they play in Hollywood where it's like black versus white comedy, and if you don't fit into the narrative of the in-between or just the, the Caucasian world, it will leave you on a certain level that's not high as that, and I've realized that now that I'm understanding the business that I've moved higher up in representation and management, and... They'll, they'll be quick to be like, oh my God, we think you're so great, you're amazing, and grab you. And then when they get you, they try to reformate you <laughs> or remake you. And that's kind of what I'm going through now, um, which they have like a dope-ass episode on Dave that was about that, about how you start getting bigger people want to change you. But I think a lot of that is because it has nothing to do with strong women. I think it's just society doesn't really understand strong black women yet. They only understand strong white women. And I'm saying that because you got Whitney Cummings. Come on now. Uh-huh. You got uh, uh, Azalea, uh, uh, I'm saying her name wrong. I know what you're talking about. Um, Glacier. Nikki Glacier. Uh, yeah. And I can't think of that other girl's name. But you have them. And in other words, and they're looked at differently in the comedy community and it's different eyes more for Tiffany Haddish. Yeah. And that's because their crossover is different. So it's understanding the crossover. That's what I think. I'm telling you, uh, as a guy, if I, if Oprah called me right now and said, "Hey, Brandon, I just need you to come over here and just look at a little of this, and you could be in any movie I produce," you said, "What?" Men would men would go for that. No woman. First of all, let me just say this: Ain't no hot man calling me tomorrow 
a role in, 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 in Black Panther. It's going to be some white guy that's fat and weird, and I'm going to have to search for the penis, and it's not going to be, it's going to be a terrible experience. Like, this choice will get me a role in the Black Panther movie, but I'm going to have nightmares for the rest of my life. And do I want that? No. I mean, has there been moments in my time in L.A. where I'm like, you know what, just something. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to lie. Some parts of this journey can get hard. But then to, and, but then again, for me, I don't even know whose dick to suck. I'm not that sad. So I'm going to suck the wrong dick uh-huh. and not get nowhere. Oh, man. So you said you watched so- I haven't. I haven't had to suck any penis to do anything so far. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you, you, you didn't. I'm glad you didn't. I haven't had to do that yet. It has, I have not been phased. It's your last chance. <laughs> yeah. And I, I tell you this, um, the women comedians, the women comedians, since I, I've been here since I moved to L.A., the women comedians have motivated me to do more than ever. Between seeing you, Brandon Denise, uh, Keisha, Takara, uh, I know I'm going to forget some people. Just niche. Um, I have not get a chance to meet her, but I'm like, I think she's hilarious. Oh, just, I see little stuff of her online, and I'm like, I can't wait to meet the girl. <laughs> Justice Abyss. Um, uh, Canelia. Um, I know, like I said, uh, Tequita. You know, just There's seeing. So many, and I feel like we work really hard. And, and y'all There's do. a lot of. I feel like I don't understand why it's this way, but I feel like it's hard for us to get out there headline. I think I will. I won't even say I think one of the one of the uh, misconceptions, you know, um, especially when it comes to women comedians, and you have your your couple that that break the mold, but I really don't look at them as true stand-ups. Um, you know, like a um, just hilarious and a B Simone. Um, them are I've, like never, the, I've never seen either of their sets, so I don't. Yeah, know. them they are like the uh, exceptions to the to the rule because of their popularity on social media. But but, you know, but that's also insanely hard. No, yeah, that's the avenue they took, but that avenue mm-hmm. is consistently online like that. Ooh, yeah. But what I, where I'm getting at <laughs> is that a lot of places, uh, especially when it comes to black com- black women comedians, you know, saying it's it's part of it feel that you can't sell tickets. Oh, they are, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's just the, the number. Because at the end of the day, if you can sell a ticket, they're going to book They're going to book you. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's one of the, the problems is that they just feel like they can't get behind a lot of women comedians. To Because you'll always see an all-man show. You'll go to a, you can go to Dallas Improv and it's going to be three men comedians. But you're rarely ever going to see three female comedians on the show. Yeah, I also think it's, uh, at least for me, because I've headlined it before, I feel like being attractive is a problem. I'm going to I'm gonna bring that up. And I'm going to, I feel like uh, I lately haven't, I don't know if this is, again, I'm working on my ego, but I feel like nobody really expects me to be funny because of the way that I look. Immediately when I, and this is and this is happening to me more often than not, um, I'll enter a club 
And if the person doesn't know me already and know what I'm capable of, they're immediately looking at me like, okay, is she a model? Is she here to hang out with one of the other comics? You know what I'm saying? What is she doing in the green room? Like, what, what's happening? And then, like, when I go on stage, people are like, what's that? Like, and then when I get off, they're like, oh, okay. But it's like, people assume if you're an attractive female, that you're not going to be funny. So it's even harder to sell tickets when you're attractive. Unless I'm famous. And everybody is like, oh, we know her from XYZ show. If you just put my face on an actual board and try to sell tickets and say, I'm just doing comedy this weekend. And people are just like, whatever, let's take a chance. It's a beautiful face. They're not going to waste their time. No offense. But if I was a woman that didn't, like I looked not as polished and girly-like, then they'd be like, oh, this is about to be wow. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like with my face, they're like, hmm. So I feel like I'm about to start putting it out there. It's hard being attractive. People can take it however they want. They can say that something like, oh, too bad for you guys, whatever. I feel like being an attractive female, I have to work 10 times harder. I always have to prove myself. Even if people saw me kill two or three times, if they see me again, I look like this. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't know. <laughs> Should I ask her out or ask her like it's uh, okay. I never thought about that. This yeah. happens. That's that's a different, you know. Um, I get a lot of wow. That's crazy. <laughs> I get a lot of. I didn't expect you to go up there and do it. I expected to see you fail. That's crazy. Like, that's, yeah. Now you said you watch. So you you said you watch Dave. I love it. Yes. Okay. I'm. I watch Dave too. I'm on. Fan. I'm on season two. You know, saying right now. Now, have you been watching season two? Yes. Okay. Is one episode of season two? I just couldn't fuck with. It was hard for me to get through. This is his moment of chat. Yes. I knew that was gonna be it. Okay, tell us why. <laughs> I, that episode made no sense to me. Really? Of why? All that was going on. Huh? I, if you can explain to me why. How many white was, friends do you have, Brandon? Huh? How many white friends do you have? You have to think about it, y'all. One. Yeah, no! <laughs> I have well, one. You know what? I got that because. I have one I that's. that's I have one that I really call. I can call a friend and I call. Anybody else that I communicate that's white, I really don't call them a friend. They just. Associates. Well, you haven't experienced enough Caucasian culture, should I call it? I, I, I guess not. Politically I, correct. Um, I went to college with a ton of uh, white people, and this is their, that's not gay. That's normal in their community with the guys. Um, I was about to marry a white man a couple years back and teabagging each other and sticking things in each other's butts, just being ridiculous like that is funny to them. That's bonding. It's strange because in our culture, that's troubling. <laughs> but to them, that's just silly acting. Like, act now, if you go any further than that, of course, you're you have to classify. But that's how they play around. So I understood that episode of how he's like trying to learn his expression himself and how he flip flops in front of a Gator versus how he acts around his own culture. I thought that I love the way the show was written. It's brilliant. Like this, this season is totally different from the first season. To me, it, it is. 
I, I, no, I love it. But no, no, no. I, in the first season, it was, I don't know, one of my best episodes in the first season when Gator discussed his uh, bipolar disorder. Uh-huh. I thought that was really cool because what I think this show t- taps into was, like, you could be this dope and have real issues. And I think that's something that a lot of people go through in a regular life. So I love that the show taps into that. I think the season is on that same level. I think they pushed it further. No, they have. And what I mean by I feel like it's different, like... The first season to me was more, um, how can I say? He was he was hung he was hungry to get in a position, and it seemed like he was a little bit more confident in his in his quest of getting the position. Now, season two, that he has the the position, he's lost. And let, me, let me let me tap into this really quick. I. I don't know if it's just too relatable to me, but I've gone through that. Like, his, the first season was so much of how I felt when I first got to L.A. And he was in a relationship. And that whole relationship with him, too, was really, like, it brought back home how I felt when I was with my ex-fiance. Like, he, it wasn't that he didn't care about her. It was just, like, you kind of have to be narcissistic mm-hmm. in the process of getting there. And one of the things that I, I feel like I feel now you're so free and just hungry in the beginning of wanting it so badly that you just do, you just free. Yeah. You're doing whatever the fuck because you're not, now it's not a business, it's not a created brand, it's not a, a real thought right. in the beginning. Now I'm in the position that he's in. This year I have my, my special comes out, you know, and my album comes out and like I have management and reps and I'm going out for bigger TV shows and movies. And now they're trying to brand me in a certain way. And it has been like that where I've been under insane amount of pressure to develop more material faster, mm-hmm. to have more tight-ass material faster, not just being out there. And that does take away from your, your like, free creativity. Yep. And you have to Jedi mind trick yourself, which I've been doing in the last couple, like, months of just trying to be zen and meditate and just go back to just watching TV shows and living my life and not even worrying about, you gotta be outside and be on stage because... You will lose that in a certain way, like because as you move up levels in this, the demand of you is even more, mm-hmm. and the time frame is even shorter. Yep. Like in your development process, it's like, oh, look at him I'm trying to learn how to walk. When your ass learn how to walk, they be like, you need to walk right. We need to make this money. We're playing, like, so it, it is a it's a it's a process. But I love that they're showing that. Like this last episode they just had. Yeah, with, yeah, with, uh, with, uh, Rick Rubin. Yeah, that episode. Oh that episode was, was very. And to tell you this, as um, crazy again that they they went, you know, saying to a to to another, you know, level of extreme with it. The part yeah. where uh, where he uh, entered the room and had the white version of itself. Yeah. After you look past the gay shit, <laughs> it actually was a true message in there. It was a huge message. It was a huge message once you sit down and really listen to the conversation he was having with himself, and, with himself, and understanding the understanding and understanding where he was mentally. Yeah. I, so this season has been a lot of weird shit, but. It actually has been a strong message, so especially for someone that's in, like, especially for someone that's in right. entertainment. It's, it's so. I mean, the writing is. Yeah. 
Oh my god, so it's it just so inspiring. Uh, I'm I'm a huge fan. Like I and I've met him before. It's weird. I did a comedy show like in LA like three four years ago, mm-hmm. and it was like you know you get one of those random bookings. You like you don't know who this comic is that's booking you, and you just assume it's about to be like this weird show. And like it was at the Hollywood Athletic Club, and like yeah, in Hollywood. And I did a set there, and then they had a performer who was like a comedian performer. And I was just like, I don't know. And he was there, and I literally, they introduced me, and I looked at him like, <laughs> and, so I'm like and then like months later, I'm like, look at this. I always laugh about that, because I think I looked at him like, what is going on here? Like, this song doesn't add up. Like, And now look at him, he's famous. Um, <laughs> and I'm in my house. And <laughs> but yeah, man, out of nowhere. But I think that show really, Kevin Hart, one more time. Uh, we, about to, uh, we about to get ready to wrap this up. And, uh, yeah, man. Um, shout out. We gotta talk about my album. This is we about to get happen. to that. We about to get all that. I'm just. Yeah. Know, we about to. We're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up soon. But um, I always, you know, saying ask a question. Um, but uh, something I want to know. What is? Well, no. Who is one of us? Um, doing a show. We're going to go do a show. Who was one of the most surprising audience members that you met at the at a show? Surprising audience members? Yeah. Wow. Like Like a celebrity or something. Or uh, somebody personal. Some, oh, you mean like someone that kinda caught my set. I don't have any of them like that. Um Chris Spencer was a good one for me once. Mm-hmm. Uh Jamie Kennedy. Was really cool for me once because I was a big fan of Scream growing up, and I was, that was like bizarre to like okay. see that. And uh, let's see, Dion Cole, mm-hmm. yeah. For uh, uh, Earthquake was a good one one time when I got on stage. He was like, "Yo, you know." So I feel like I've had some really great ones here um, that have really made me. Uh, Mark Curry too, because I think Mark Curry is a beast. Yeah. Uh, one time I, I was doing a set and he saw me and he came up to me literally like he was hosting he came up to me and was like yo okay like I see you like you know so I've had some great cool surprising me like oh my god I can't believe this person was like there the whole time uh, for me my first time uh, performing in California I was doing Tommy T's in the Bay Area mm-hmm. and Pinky was at the show Pinky from Friday? No, Pinky the porn star. <laughs> you said like I was gonna be like, oh yeah, I don't know who the hell it is. <laughs> Pinky the porn star, and that, like, was, okay. that was like a huge deal deal for me because I was like, Mark Brandon, you banana. I'm out here like Mark Curry was there and it was he's yeah. like, you know what surprised me? The Pinky. bitch I saw suck a dick was sitting right there in front of me. <laughs> Right there. I didn't see that take take three and four days, and I couldn't believe she was at my show. Yeah, man. You know what? I can't. That was one of the best moments, man. You are cool. But, uh, but yeah, let's talk about it, man. So when's this? Uh, what's the name, and when when's the comedy album supposed to come out? Uh, it's called Nice to Meet Me. Uh, it is something that I wrote uh, over pandemic. Like, I we had a lot of time to ourselves in the beginning. I don't know. We all were just stuck in the house. We didn't know what was happening. There were mm-hmm. no stages at all for like a very long time and so I started writing this nice to meet me and it's kind of an introduction of me meeting myself getting to know myself in a way 
that I hadn't taken the time to do. So the album is basically uh, a story about my childhood, about how I see politics, how what my life is like now, uh, going through aging process of going through your 30s and I'm almost 40 and like all of that and a black woman in, in life and dating and comedy and, and God and all kinds of stuff. Uh, protests, racism, it covers a whole bunch of stuff that we all saw on TV and it happened out. So, and I was proud to be able to sell it to Comedy Dynamics. So my release date with them uh, for the visual is September 21st and my album will be out uh, September 24th. And I, everybody, please, please go to my page and check dates. Uh, we're doing an early release on Apple TV, um, the first, like that first week of September, uh, and then like the, not the first week of September. I'm sorry, that week of September 21st. I'm say that okay. we're doing an early release, um, but it'll be on Apple TV, Spectrum, Comcast, Amazon. Where did you record it? I recorded it at a friend's backyard during coronavirus, man. So I had to get my entire audience members all tested, all negative tests from my cast to the guests. We did two shows, a very small room of 20 people apiece. Um, a good friend of mine was a producer at, on True TV, and he let me use his backyard for the show. And we, I got a DJ, I got... You know, uh, openers, I ordered a porta potty, I had cleaners for the mics and the chairs. Like, it was it was probably one of the most liberating experiences I've ever had because of doing a show during the heat of the virus. I mean, like, October 24th, 2020, was when everybody was scared to leave the house. Mm-hmm. And to put on an event was, like, crazy, but the outcome was bananas. And I couldn't, you know, I'm, I'm geeked as hell that... We released well, kind of well, dynamic. If I would have known, I would have came. But uh, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't privileged. No, I posted like, it on my page. People say I, this. I posted this on my page, I, and no, and, and, and people was like, "Oh, I wasn't invited." I'm like, I had a mailing list of whose email I have. Plus, mm-hmm. during this time, my management had started doing the invites. It wasn't me because okay. I had to work on the material. But uh, I've been hell trying to work on the material when there was nowhere to work out. Like, but I would be happy to uh to spend my money and support you. Please, everybody! Uh, it's like I'm I'm trying to like blow it up on my first week out because let me just say this: I don't see Comedy Dynamics putting out that many black women. Okay, and I feel like we coming behind from what I've seen Tiffany Haddish and Leslie Jones and all of them as a new face and a new young star. I mean, all the black people to go out and push us up so we can all be like, oh, there's another one too. Because <laughs> I feel like if there's so many beautiful black women out here that I get ignored and I did this for me too, so people can know who Fatima Talia is. Because you can't wait on the graduation show. Yep. <laughs> Let me just stop. I'm being, I'm being petty. But no, I worked my butt off of this and I'm so excited. Nice to meet me. September is the whole month of September, I'm about to be going hard. That's for this, so. right. Help me sell it out and show these schools we can do this. Right. Uh, what's the Instagram? Uh, at me, Talia, everything. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Alright. And, uh, and y'all know uh, Brandon Jordan Comedy. And um, thank you for coming on. I thank appreciate you, you spending me. this time. And um, uh, this is another episode, y'all. Um, 
Glad y'all got to meet my crush today. Oh my and, uh, God, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, um, just gotta keep supporting black comedy. And uh, like I said, man, this is another episode, and I'll holler at y'all later. Peace out.